We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. He joins us every single Wednesday of uh, the MMQB. He is the great Albert Breer on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. What's up, buddy? Hey, guys. What's happening? Oh, it's been a day. We got we got a full dose of uh, Jim Schwartz today, 45 minutes of it. Um, I guess we'll start there. Was in terms of Jim Schwartz being the guy, like how did how did this kind of evolve for the Browns? Yeah, I mean, I think the timing sort of worked out for Schwartz here because, you know, like part of it was what happened with some of their other candidates. You know, Gerard Mayo, who I think was a prime candidate for the job. Um, you know, they they, he winds up scaring the Patriots at the prospect of him leaving, and they put on the full court press to keep him. You know, and then in the case of Brian Flores, I think part of it was like looking and seeing, you know, a guy who he worked with in personnel for years in, in Monty Austin Fort, getting the job, getting the GM job out in Arizona. You know, and so like a couple of their top candidates, at the very least, weren't going to be willing to jump right away. And at worst, could like leave you holding the bag if they wind up getting opportunities elsewhere. And so, you know, I, I think it's a it's a sensible solution for the Browns, um, based on Jim's experience, based on you know his know how, um, you know. But I, I do think that there were some circumstances that sort of flowed into him getting this job. You know, the other thing that I think is important here is, um, you know, a you know his background with people in the building. Obviously, he was with Andrew Barry in Philadelphia. And then B, I think the one thing he brings that the other guys didn't is schematic um, familiarity. You know, he he plays, um, he, he he's always run more of a four down front, which is what the Browns have been doing the last few years. Whereas the other guys would have run more odd fronts. And so, you know, I think there's less, there's going to be less of an issue with your personnel, um, the guys that you already have on hand, and in fitting into the scheme that Schwartz is going to bring. I found it interesting, Albert, that Jim Schwartz said when asked about the staff, he said this is this is Stefanski's staff. Like he didn't talk about bringing in any of his guys. He talked about how in Philly he kind of worked with the guys that were already there. Is that commonplace? I mean, that to me is pretty interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I I think it sort of depends on the situation. You know, and a lot of times, Justin, it depends on the amount of leverage that the coordinator has. Um, and if a guy has multiple offers, he might say, "I'm only going to." if I have control over my staff. And so you know, I don't know like how much, how much leverage Jim had to ask for the moon and the stars here. Um, you know, an opportunity to get back, you know, in a situation where he's calling a defense again. And so um, look, I, I do know this, like Kevin's got some guys on that side of the ball that he feels pretty strongly about um, and that he likes a lot and that he wants to keep around. I think they're front, the front office has people they like too, that they want to keep around. And so I, I do think it's sort of one of those things here where, you know, like Jim Schwartz's desire to get back and become a coordinator again sort of married up with the Browns wanting to keep a couple guys, you know, who they really like and who they think have bright futures um, there on hand. You know, the other thing I think that's, that's important here, too, is uh, because, you know, this isn't like a Gerard Mayo who's a rising, you know, young coach. Um, you're probably not going to lose the guy after a year or two. 
So there's a little bit more leeway here with a guy like Schwartz where if you look at him and you say, well, you know, if things go well, he could be here for the next four or five years. Um, that gives him time to sort of meld the staff to what he's he, he's going to want to do. Albert, I know the Browns had a uh, one of their uh, assistant GMs interview for a, for a GM job. I know yep. there are still head coaching jobs available, uh, and, and and that could potentially. Should we expect any more changes either in the front office or on the Browns coaching staff? Um, you know, obviously now the two uh, the two open GM jobs are closed. And I'm not saying like something couldn't happen in Indianapolis or Carolina. Like if they get a certain coach they really like, does that coach bring somebody else with them? But in all likelihood, um, that's probably it for for the GM market. Which means you know some of the guys um, and girls in the in the Browns front office who have been up for jobs. Um, you know, Glenn Cook, Cat Ray, she'll probably have to wait another year. Um, you know, on the coaching side, I, I I don't think that there's a head coach candidate. Um, sitting there on the on the brown staff that you have to worry about losing right now i think the, the 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 question would be you know if there are others down the line and if there are others somewhere else on the staff that you might lose but those are things that you know teams have to manage every year so i think that that would probably be the the extent of the concern that you have um when it comes to turnover and either personnel or coaching Albert, one of the big stories, actually the biggest story that isn't the playoffs is quarterbacks and potential movement here. We got yeah. into the Lamar thing earlier. Um, yep. How how likely is it that Lamar could be divorcing Baltimore this offseason? I think it's at least interesting. I mean, I, I, I don't have any indication that Baltimore wants to get rid of him or that he wants to leave. Like, I don't have anybody telling me that, but... You know, I, I, I would concede that things were really weird the last couple of weeks, you know, and I, I, don't, I don't know 100% what to make of it. You know, I do believe he was really hurt. Do I think he got to push through it? I don't know. But when you, you know, hear guys who've been in the league for a while, like a Sammy Watkins saying something about that, you know, it does, I, I think, sound the alarm a little bit in your head. And um, look, like this is a – this is – I've been one of the more protracted contract negotiations I can remember in – you know, all my years covering the league, you know, even, I mean, this is right up there with like a Kirk Cousins or a Dak Prescott um, in how it's dragged out over years, you know? And so I think that makes it a little unpredictable. Um, and I don't know how exactly they, you know, wind up bridging the gap here where the, you know, the team is willing to pay him at the top of the market, but only on a conventional quarterback contract. And he wants to do something more like what Deshaun Watson did. You do rolling guarantees, that sort of stuff, but you know, obviously, you know, the fact that they haven't been able to reach that, they haven't been able to kind of fix that divide, um, you know, tells me that there's something more fundamental at, at, at work here, and it'll be interesting to see which way it goes, you know, because I think the real tell is going to be which franchise tag they put on him. If they put the exclusive franchise tag on him, which I think would be about forty-five million dollars. And that's a sign that they really are serious about keeping him and signing him long term. If they put the non-exclusive tag on him, I mean, then teams can come and get him. You know, um, you know, and, and that number is only thirty million. They can come and get him um, and sign him to an offer sheet if they're willing to give up two first-round picks. So uh, I think that that's going to be the key thing. You know, right after the combine, when that when that 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 franchise tag deadline hits, is it the exclusive tag going on Lamar or is it the non-exclusive tag going on Lamar? Why was Lamar not at the game? I mean, the, the Ravens will tell you it's a matter of policy. Like, they generally don't 
travel injured players. There are a lot of teams that don't travel injured players, Dustin. I would argue when it's somebody that prominent, you want franchise there. quarterback. You want there yeah, during the playoff. I game. mean, I, I like I don't know. I, like, I don't know that, like, you can apply normal rules to this. I mean, everybody knew what the optics were going to be. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that that part of it is pretty obvious. Like, it looks bad. And um, so, you know, I, like, I wish I had a better answer for you on that. Like, I just, it's another sort of weird twist in this whole thing that, that makes you think, like, you know, we're going to get to the first week of March and, if that non-exclusive tag goes on him, there's going to be a good chance he's playing somewhere else, you know? And so you sort of wonder about which way this is going to go. Um, you know, especially with a guy who's been, you know, so important to the franchise over the last five years, it's such a good leader and so well liked in the building. Um, there's a lot on the line when it comes to, you know, the Ravens front office, the Ravens coaching staff and in the way they handle this, because everyone in that locker room is going to be paying attention. Albert, last year, we, we saw names like Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan, a, a lot of big names on the move. Carson yep. Wentz, um, pretty much none of them really worked out, at least in year one there. Will yep. will those year one struggles, will that impact maybe the plight of guys like Brady and, and Rodgers and Lamar as, as teams try to assess whether they want to take a swing at those guys? I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, who I think it affects Nick is the reclamation project. Like, I don't think like it affects a Brady, you know what I mean? Like Brady, you just have to make a determination. Does he have anything left or not? Right. Like that's really it. It's not like, how's he going to fit what we do? Like he can fit anywhere. Like if he's still the same guy, the question is whether or not he's the same guy, you know, Rogers, I think the same sort of thing, you know, it's just, is he as locked in as he's always been? If he is like, you know, it's a, He's just a different level than 99% of the quarterbacks out there. Um, I do think it could affect like a Derek Carr or a Jimmy Garoppolo, though. You know, like when you look at this and you say to yourself, okay, um, are we willing to pay one of those guys 25 or $30 million a year when we're watching like the Niners take a seventh round rookie, you know, potentially to the Super Bowl? Um, you know, I, I, and, 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 and also when you consider – like there's a Baker Mayfield out there or, you know, there's, there, there, there are options out there. There are guys that you look and you say is like, is the difference that big between like Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield? And that's the thing that I think teams are going to be wrestling with a little bit more. You know, like I've always felt the big, the, 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 the very top tier of quarterbacks, the, the win, you win because of them um, quarterbacks like Allen and Mahomes and, um, you know, like I, I, I think Herbert like was getting there, you know, Trevor Lawrence, that's, you know, those guys are separate from everybody else. And so I think now it's how do you view that second tier? That's where I think what happened last year sort of affects everything where, um, you know, I think there are going to be some, 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 some coaches, some GMs out there saying to themselves, is a second tier quarterback at $30 million or $25 million really a better option than say a third, third tier quarterback at five or $10 million. Albert, uh, to circle back to the Browns here, we got into the conversation earlier about Kevin Stefanski and whether whether there could be the Hugh Jacksoning, right, where you welcome yeah. a guy back, but he's got a he's kind of on a short leaf, leash here, and then and that kind of begat a conversation about um, whether he's going to be judged game to game. So, how would you define Kevin Stefanski's status slash leash in twenty twenty three? I think there's a lot on the line for a lot of people in the building. Um, you know, I, I just think, like, when you've got a quarterback like Deshaun Watson and you're rewarding him financially the way they're rewarding him, 
um, there's pressure on everybody, you know, cause that's, that's cash going out the door, you know? And so if you're not getting the most out of that guy, then they're going to find somebody else who is. And you know, I think like, honestly, it's sort of like the situation in Denver with Nathaniel Hackett, like where, you know, the new ownership comes in and they're looking at it and they're saying, okay, like, and this is the Waltons, right? So they can stroke checks to fix just about anything. Like we can stroke a check to get rid of the GM. We can stroke a check to get rid of the coach. Like we can't do that with a quarterback because of the implications on the salary cap and what it's going to mean to us from a team building standpoint. So it makes more sense for us to just offload the coach and maybe offload the GM and find somebody to try and fix the quarterback. And so like if Deshaun doesn't play well next year, the Browns could be in that position where it's, well, we're married to the quarterback now. So we need to find somebody who can fix him, not somebody who, um, not somebody who like, we're not going to, we're not going to run it back with the same people and, you know, look at it and say like, okay, like, like, you know, like let's hope that doing the same thing for a third time works better than it did the first two. So um, I think that's sort of where the Browns are right now. And, you know, I think so for Kevin, for, for, for Kevin Stefanski and, and his staff, I think a huge part of this is, yes, contending for a playoff spot, but I think it's also showing that you can, you know, make help, help turn Deshaun Watson back into a franchise quarterback again. So are Stefanski and Barry, are they a package deal? I don't know, because I just, like, you know, I – I just know Jimmy's been so married to the ideas um, that he's had since he bought the team about analytics and being forward thinking. And, you know, I, I mean, Paul DePodesta has survived a lot there. You know, he's been there. What now this is going to be his, is this his ninth year coming up? So no, is it, is that many yet? I can't eighth year. Eighth Doesn't year. feel eighth. a year under a decade. Yeah. I think it's like his eighth year. I think it's like his eighth year coming up and he survived. I think, what is it? Three head coaches, three general managers, so, like, I think, you know, Jim, Jimmy's obviously very, very much dug in on, on the way he thinks the team should be built. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, Andrew is indicative of that. Like, Andrew's hire was indicative of that. I think, you know, like, like rightfully so. Like, I think he thinks a lot of Andrew as a, as, as a personnel guy and as a, as a team builder. And so, like, I, I tend to think that, like there's a decent chance, like if Kevin Stefanski and his staff get blown out, the team's five and eleven or what, or five and twelve or whatever next year, that Andrew Barry's helping them pick the next coach, just because of you know what we've seen from the owner and how dug in he is on on how the front office should be run, and um, and and the way that Andrew Barry runs his front office. Albert, great stuff as always, man. Looks like it's shaping up to be another insane off season, so that's good yep. for both of us. Uh, have a great week, bud. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good one. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.